Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, lighting. Yes, we have it all. Well, as I said last week, I am now going to be using the date that we publish, which is every Wednesday. So today is October 5th. And we are going to talk about the series of podcasts that Jason Miller and I have been doing for the past four months. It's called uh, Do-It-Yourselfers and Homeowners. And uh, if you want to design and build a kitchen yourself, or if you're a homeowner and you want to hire a contractor, I think you should know the nomenclature and what to expect and know a little bit more about nothing when you hire a contractor. Um, so this way you will know what's going on and you won't be taken advantage of. So I do uh, believe that that is a good way to go. So first, let me welcome Jason. Hey, Jason, thanks for coming back. Well, thank you for having me again. Yeah, and you're like my new best friend. This is the fourth <laughs> one we're doing. So just to recap, I uh, in case anybody missed this, on July 6th, we talked about basics of designing a kitchen. We covered appliances. Um, the famous corner that everybody has in a kitchen and nobody really likes it, uh, sinks, the uh, traffic control, um, traffic patterns, and cabinetry. And then August 3rd, we talked about islands. The most of the kitchens I do, and I'm sure Jason does too, have islands. So if you're planning on doing the kitchen yourself, or again, if you're a homeowner and you would love to have an island, Really, it goes by the size, the function, the lighting, and the materials that you would like to see in the kitchen. And no sense having an island if it's so tiny because that's what you can fit or if it's not functional. So that's really important. That was August 3rd. And then September 7th, we talked all about the accessible kitchen. So what is that? Well, that's for any physical challenges that people might have who live in the home or who uh, work in the kitchen. So we went over basic cabinets for the accessible kitchen, storage heights, uh, handles, doorways, appliances, a lot of information that everybody should know. And you know, this also applies to kitchens that are done for people who are aging in place. So keep that in mind. And I hate to say this, but everybody's aging. I know we don't wanna think about it, but it's happening, right, Jason? Of course. So now is this is our fourth part of part of the series. So it's part four. And we're actually going to talk about the questions that we get most asked when we go to remodel a project, namely a kitchen. So Jason has um, he does a lot of remodeling. And both of us have just been bombarded with questions uh, as we go into the project. When we first meet the people who want to remodel, yeah, they have a lot of questions. And of course, the questions don't stop as we proceed with the project. Right, Jason? Of course. So do you want to start? I know you have a list here that I've heard these questions tons of times. So what is uh, what is your favorite question that people keep asking you? You know, I, I would have to say the first one is, when can you start? And then on top of that, how much does this cost? I mean, those are the those are the first questions that always end up getting asked. And obviously, 
we go into projects with kind of a scope of work or a project guideline of how we're going to, number one, achieve the look that they're looking for. We start off with allotments, talking about um, the quality of material, talking about um, the individual pieces and how all of those pieces together will end up talking or basically giving you the price of your remodel package. So when it comes down to it, there are several different vendors. Many of them have really, really good pricing for really good material. There are vendors out there that have basic generic tile, um, specifically um, for easy renovation projects. Um, And so we talk about the quality of that material. We talk about the price of that material. It's it's true what they say, you get what you pay for. And so if you're going to go with less expensive materials, um, expect to potentially replace that material sooner or quicker than a good quality material, faucets, tile, things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, my favorite question, or actually it was a statement that somebody made, I was going to design their kitchen and then we were going to pick the finishes. And I was told by the husband, now don't be designing expensive stuff. I don't design expensive stuff. Jason and I design a kitchen. So do you know how that budget uh, is driven? It's driven by the finishes. And most of the time, the people pick the finishes. Now, we advise and we guide. So if we know that you're working with a certain budget, we're not going to push you into a very expensive appliance package. Just saying. Definitely. Yeah. So, and and again, if if you guys out there don't share your budget with either your contractor or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, somebody has to keep watching your budget because we know, because we've had this happen many times with clients, they forget that they have a budget and they want this and they want that. And then when you add things up, you know, reality hits, right? Yeah. I think I think the good thing about it is that you want to keep in mind your overall goal. If your goal is to give yourself a kitchen that you love, take opportunities to find good quality stuff and then also pair it with things that are not as expensive. When you have that kind of mix and match, when you're when you're talking about square footage, doing a bigger square footage with not an expensive tile. Um, It just allows you to kind of play with that budget a little bit more and then give you an overall design that you're going to be happy with in in the end. Right. Now that question, question, when can we start? That's always a nice uh, question because with this supply chain and everybody being so busy, your project, if you're using the contractor, is controlled by the contractor's schedule. And there's no way, if you want this done, by the way, it's October 5th today. If you're thinking you want it done for your Christmas dinner, you can forget it because it's not going to happen. Not unless your remodeling is only painting your kitchen. Then, okay, I'll go with that. But the supply chain has caused 
one of my projects to stretch on to over nine months, and that's unusual. So don't give an end date. You will know when to start based on when everything is ordered and when the contractor has a date, he'll plug you in. But don't have any uh, grandiose ideas that it's going to happen really quick and right away because it doesn't work. Definitely. Right? Right. Completely agree. Yeah. Be realistic in, in your thought process because if you're doing a bathroom or a um, or a fireplace, those typically have long lead items. And so when you're looking at things like that, bathtubs, you have to be realistic in, in your timeline. If you're not realistic, then you're going to be setting yourself up for a lot of discomfort and a lot of basically frustration about trying to figure out, okay, I need to get my tub here. I need to get X, Y, Z here. And it's it's not a winning model if if you're not gonna if if you have that mentality that I want it done next week right and if you're not willing to compromise you know sometimes there are things that have lead times that are a year so you know your salesperson or your designer or your contractor might say well this one is out a year but this one is out six months then it's up to you to decide if you want to change um, what you had in your dream. So, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. Hey, let's talk about uh, Studio 41. Studio 41 is where I get all of my plumbing fixtures, all of my cabinet hardware, and they have a showroom if anybody's living in Arizona, right in Scottsdale. And of course, they have 14 other showrooms in Illinois. So if you don't live in Illinois or Arizona, I'm really sorry. But you can go on their website, shopstudio41.com. They have the best selections, and it would be worth your while to check them out. I have been using them for years, and I will tell you that it's not them that controls the lead time. It's the manufacturer. So there's nothing you can do. Sometimes I would, right now, I have, I've been waiting for six months for a certain faucet. So that that's unusual, but these are the times that we live in, right? So, yeah. Jason, um, has anybody asked you about the particular material? Um, what does it look like, uh, especially if they have been shopping online? How do they expect to touch the product? You can't. No, and I think that really goes back to what you just said about Studio 41, um, utilizing a showroom, giving an opportunity to go in and actually physically touch something, whether it be a tile, whether it be a tub. I mean, one of the biggest things that we ask, uh, clients ask all the time is, is this tub deep enough? I mean, the whole reason why I'm doing my bathroom is because I want that spa retreat. I want to be able to go in and relax. You're not, if, if you're six foot tall, you're not going to fit in a 56-inch tub. Well, I mean, you can, but you're going to have your feet hanging over the side. <laughs> so what I tell people all the time is utilize the specialized showrooms that talk about tubs, talk about um, faucets, lighting, um, light bulbs. I mean, when it comes down to it, several showrooms have just specific sections about light bulbs where you can learn about the different color temperatures, the different outputs, the different bulb shape. Mm -hmm. And so 
when you're wanting to know exactly what it is that you're looking for, um, or I'm specking out as your designer, or as you're wanting to look at a faucet that you've seen on um, a showroom's website, go in. You can even call them and ask them, hey, I was wondering, do you have model number XYZ or whatever it is? And then they can tell you, yes, we have it or no. And then if they don't have it, call the next showroom. Uh Get in there, physically touch that faucet because you'll be able to really understand the capabilities and technology that's in that faucet. Um, You can see the vastness of the light fixture, how big it is, how small it is. Some of those pictures on a a showroom website is so deceiving because it's a 12-inch pendant, but you look at it and it's dwarfed compared to the size of your what's going to be your island yeah now most of the websites do have the specifications but if you're not used to that it's hard to picture what it's going to look like and one thing i wanted to add if you pick a product and you change your mind just be aware that there's a restocking fee on almost everything Mm -hmm. so don't be surprised and don't be quick to order something unless you're sure about it and that's where a professional comes in Uh, Jason and I have been doing this for a while. I've been doing it for a very long time. And we guide you and say, well, you know, this may not be what you were talking about. We have experience with this. I want to bring up the tub idea. I had a client who definitely wanted a freestanding tub, and that's all she talked about. Unfortunately, I insisted, or fortunately, I insisted that she go to a showroom and try it out. Buying a tub is like buying a mattress, and it's a big item. You can't just say, you know, I changed my mind. I think I want to get a different tub after it's in your house. You can't do that. So we went shopping, and I said, okay, get in the tub. And she thought I was crazy, and I said, no, seriously, get in the tub. Well, she did get in the tub, but she couldn't get out. And these are the things you have to be aware of. So... You know, it it takes a designer to say, you know, I think we better think something else. And that might be, I had a customer who decided she didn't like her kitchen faucet because it was a high spout. Now, years ago, we never had high spouts, but this is the in thing now. And she said, I don't like it. I want to change it because it splashes everywhere. Well, be aware that when you're working with water coming from a high spout, your hand can't be above the sink rim. That just makes sense. Yeah. So these are things that you kind of have to get used to. Right? And most showrooms actually have live working demonstrations. They have working sinks that you can be able to turn on a faucet and see if that water is going to hit the drain and, and fly out. They, they have um, working appliances, so you can be able to see what those look like. I mean, one of the biggest things is handles on on appliances. Are they thick enough? Are they heavy enough? Are they going to be sturdy enough for aging hands or for people that that struggle with appliances? And so, having those showrooms at that your fingertips, literally, you'll be able to visualize how it's going to fit in your in your space and your overall design concept you pointed out the handle thing and and i wrote down on my list of questions how many people ask me if the handles have to match in a whole kitchen and i don't think it does now to get your best price for appliances 
you can buy packages and the appliance companies wish you would. In other words, they will sell a package so that you can save money, maybe a cooking appliance, a dishwasher, and a refrigerator, and they'll throw in the food or something. I mean, each company has a different package. In that case, yeah, of course, all your handles are going to match. But if you are specific and you say, well, I like this kind of dishwasher and I like this kind of refrigerator and this kind of that, well, get the if if you're so into handles, get the ones that match as close as possible. But do you really think somebody's going to walk in your kitchen and say, "Oh, your handles don't match"? Yeah. No, no, I don't. Think, I don't think it's a big deal. I think no. you should go with the appliances that fit your budget, your lifestyle, and the size of where you're putting the appliance. <laughs> And I, I think that also one of the questions that I'm commonly asked, and I know that you're probably commonly asked as well, is do all my metals have to match? Can can I do a matte black and a chrome? Or can I do a matte black and a gold? Can I do a chrome and a gold? Things like that. A couple years ago, I'd say probably nine, seven to nine years ago as a faux pas to have mixing metals. And Five years ago, we saw this major push in lighting. We saw a major push in faucets and metals to mix them. And it was it became a, a custom option where everything didn't have to match. And yeah. so there are times where I have clients that are like, oh, no, I have major OCD. And so when I see a black handle on something and everything else is brushed nickel, that's going to drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. But you know, they, they changed that too. Like you said, five years ago, they started mixing metals and jewelry. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I was wearing gold or silver, I had to, I mean, that was me. I'm talking about OCD. Everything had to be the same metal. And then five years ago, they started making diamond rings with um, platinum and gold and sometimes rose gold with silver. And so the same thing works with your kitchen, same as fashion, Mm -hmm. kitchen, it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, your lights can be black and your faucets can be black stainless or stainless steel, chrome, gold, whatever you want. It's it's where it's in the same color family that you want to kind of stay away from. If you have like this French gold and you have uh, brassy gold, it, it probably won't mesh as well. Just try to stay within the same color tones. And, and don't and have, hardware don't and have every color, don't have every metal in the same room. Yep, you don't want it polished and, bra- and brushed at the same time. It just won't look right, unless if it's specifically made that way. I know there are several yeah, faucet companies that come out that way. But. Yeah, and also people ask me about the handles on the cabinetry. And that goes along with what Jason and I are saying. You know, as long as they're complementary, I would say go for it. But you can't have a little bit of everything. Otherwise, you end up with a smorgasbord, old yeah. old word, um, in your kitchen. And that just does not look professional. Yeah. And I think it adds more visual texture and depth to, to a room versus it being one final or one one note. It, it adds a little bit more of a flair. And I like what, what, what you say is have fun with it. Like, do what you like, 
um, because I think it definitely will add those layers that a, a space needs in order for it to feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, that goes along with years ago, they used to have the living room suite, the bedroom suite for furniture. Everything was matchy, matchy. And then finally that broke the custom of, you know, let's just go get everything in the living room in one package. And that got boring. And so now people are showing their personality by using different furniture. And who's to say that the the end tables on each side of the bed has to be a match set? No, oh, it's it's your, you know, how many times have I said this, Jason? It's your house. You can do anything yeah. you want. And the reason why you get a professional is to just guide you. But if somebody says to you, oh, no, you can't do this. And you say, but I want to, because you're going to live with it. So remember that. Um, yeah. How many times people ask you about cabinetry, Jason? You know, whether it's, go ahead, go for uh, it. I mean, it's almost in every job, uh, whether whether or not we're um, doing standard size boxes, if we're doing more of a custom vanity type thing. Um, one of the most important things is, I have vaulted ceilings. One of the most question, commonly asked questions, I have vaulted ceilings and I feel like my 42 inch upper, which is kind of a, the, the standard now for, for an upper cabinet, is going to look dwarfed on this wall. What can I do? Because number one, I have my range hood going right in the middle of it and my range hood is going to go up the wall as well. And so what can I do to be able to offset that that height difference so my cabinets don't look squatty on this 120 foot, I'm uh, sorry, 120 inch wall? Right. That would Couple be of, 10 foot. And if it was yep. vaulted, you'd have different heights. Yep. It could, it could go up to 15 feet. Right. And so... When you're looking at it, there's a couple of options that you can do. The first one is to do stacking cabinets. So you have your upper cabinet and then accessorizing it with a 12-inch or a 15-inch upper cabinet that features glass, where you can do uh, your grandmother's china that you inherit or um, a nice decorative vase or, um, or a pitcher or something. Um, illuminate those those cabinets just so it kind of spotlights that that unique kind of um, artifact. Um, doing larger crown, um, stacking crown, um, being able to get height in there so it doesn't feel like these these forty two inch upper cabinets are dwarfed on on this wall. Keep it proportionally though. I mean, we don't want to end up getting. <laughs> let's say seven feet of cabinets up on the wall because someone who is a little shorter is not going to be able to reach all of those upper cabinets. Mm -hmm. So keep it proportion in proportion. Well, and when you have a vaulted ceiling, we're talking about, say, the wall of cabinets where there's an angle to that wall. Don't step your cabinets. Don't don't keep stepping going up to the mm -hmm. uh, the point nope. where you know there's there's the gable, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you have a flat ceiling, and here's another question for you. Typically, like Jason said, 42 inch cabinets they fit perfectly on an eight foot ceiling. Now, if your ceiling is nine foot, that gives you an extra foot. So you can either do a soffit. Or you can do additional cabinet. We call that stacking cabinets. Uh, or you can do some extra crown mold. 
Um, you got to do something up there. You can't just leave because it's going to look unfinished. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people look at that and they're like, well, I don't want the dust catcher. I don't want this crown to go up there and all of a sudden this open hole that has six inches between the top of the crown and the top of the bottom of the, of the base of the ceiling. So we, we find out ways to be able to, number one, alleviate that just so there isn't any kind of catch-all in that area. So um, that's the importance of, of using a, a designer or a contractor that really knows what they're talking about when, when, they're, when they're designing something. Yeah, you can always build a soffit. That's like a box that fills in the space. And a lot of times you can extend the soffit past the wall cabinet so it's even with the base cabinet and then put can lighting, little four-inch cans, in the soffit over your task area. So that looks like it was meant to be. And, and that's a good way to finish that space. Hey, let's talk about the famous corner. What do people do in that corner? You know, I saw something interesting where there's a pop-up. It was on one of the groups that we belong to. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. So you have a 90-degree turn. You have cabinets on the left and right of the outside corner, and you have a 24-inch square in the corner. And when you push a button, the space or the, the countertop area, it's got to be separate from your countertop, pops up and you can put your mixer in there or whatever. A yeah. lot of people try to avoid corners. And there are some kitchens you just can't. You yeah. might as well forget about it. It's there. Or I know a lot of times I've blocked the corner, which yeah. means that you kill the corner. You don't use it at all so that the cabinets flanking the corner are more useful. But yeah. that's up to the person who's designing the kitchen and the contractor. What about yeah. this one, Jason? I don't want to use a hood over my cooktop in my island because it's going to break the view to my backyard. What do you think? First, my first question is, how do you cook? Like, like what, what do you do? Do you cook? <laughs> do you cook? Yeah. Because the first thing is you talk about just, I mean, the, the purpose of a hood in general, it's to, number one, take away um, grease, to take away smoke. It, it's designed to, number one, purify the air and get it cleaned out. And so if you don't cook, then great, that's fine. We won't put a hood. But just think about when you decide to sell that house in a couple of years, or if this is for your ever home, that's what goes back to what you said, this is your house. But when you look at it, if this is not your forever home, think about potentially the downside, the downfall of not having a hood present. Um, and so I think in the grand scheme of things, is I the first questions I ask is number one, why is the why is this important to you? And if they say because I want it to look aesthetically, there are a couple things that we can do. Number one, some appliance companies have a downdraft, meaning that the range or the stove has a device that's attached to the back that comes up and is a downdraft um, vent. Kind of vent, thank you, um, to pull all that stuff out and not have to worry about a, an unsightly hood that hangs over your island. Um, so think about that because... I think the important thing is to know your options 
and then make the the best choice for you. Um, if you if it's because of the aesthetic aspect, there are plenty of other opportunities to be able to to achieve that. But I would not sacrifice a hood over aesthetics. Yeah. Another thing is that a lot of the foods that you cook give off carcinogens. And so it's not healthy, obviously. And then um, to Jason's point, there are so many different kinds of hoods besides the downdraft. And that's good. It's not as efficient as the updraft. And if you don't cook that much, they even have uh, vents that look like light fixtures. So when you hang it over your cooktop, you know, if you don't do heavy cooking and frying, then then that suffices. You always have to go by the CFMs. So that's the pull or the uh, cubic foot uh, per minute that they're pulling out of the air so that you uh, can have um, no odors, no smells, and no carcinogens in the air in your kitchen. And then, you know, when people don't use the hood years ago, hoods were never really efficient. And so nobody ever used them. They were so loud. They sounded like uh, jet engines taking off. <laughs> yeah. And then typically you would kind of touch the grease on the cabinets. You know, everything was greasy and their drapes in the living room because it travels through the whole house um, was not in the best condition. So think about that. You know, you spend a lot of money remodeling your kitchen and then you destroy it by having all of this grease and odor infiltrating through the whole house. So that's something that we try to uh, let you know the pros and cons on. So we're just about covering everything. I want to talk yeah. about Monogram. We did talk about appliances before, but Monogram has a great line of intelligent appliances, and they also have a smart app that you can control the appliances with. There again, as I say every week, don't think about getting the app if you don't have the smart appliances. But if you have the smart appliances and you don't have a smartphone, and who doesn't, you don't really need the app. But these are, um, they're updated like every time Monogram wants to add a new recipe to your oven. If it's a smart oven, it just automatically logs in there. So it's amazing how that works. And the best way to do it, like we said before, go to the showroom, ask your uh, showroom salesperson to show you the monogram appliances. Hopefully they're hooked up so they can show you how they work. So you can go online to know more about it and kind of look and see what would fit into your lifestyle, into your kitchen and what you like, and then go to the showroom and uh, have them demonstrate it. So go to monogram.com. That's another easy website to remember, monogram.com. So Jason, this has been a joy. This is... Um, on the last of our series, uh, who knows, we might pop up with another series. We might just, uh, Jason and I might just talk about something else. You never know. That's why you, you never should know. Be, yeah, you should be subscribing, people, to these podcasts. <laughs> I've been doing these for eight years, I think, eight, nine years. I had my own radio show here. And this series um, is the fifth year that I'm doing this. And we've talked about everything. Jason, did you have fun doing this? I did. I mean, it it definitely allowed me to to kind of think a little differently um, because I'm every day I'm just the designer. I'm I'm the the person that's thinking about things. But by doing this, this helped me be able to view a whole different aspect of how my client is viewing it, the nomenclature, 
the tech, I guess the the technical names of things, I'm so used to it. But when it comes down to it, it helped me be able to um, put myself in the client's shoes and and learn things that um, would be easier for me to be able to explain to them. So it's done. We're going to do this again. We decided. And I decided. (laughs) So, no, again, I'm glad you did this with me, and I had fun doing it. And I hope everybody, like I said before, subscribe so that when I post a new podcast, which is every Wednesday, you'll automatically get it on your phone or on your computer. If you want to learn more about me, I do have a website, which... I'm really lacking in updating, but I got to do that one of these days. But you can still go to nancyhugo.com and learn more about me. And if you have any questions for me or for Jason, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. So in the meantime, I want you guys to have a safe week until we talk again. Jason, again, stay out of the traffic. Poor Jason had a a, a horrendous traffic accident, but he's okay now. So. Yeah. So anyway, again, thank you for listening. Bye, Jason. Bye-bye.